Good morning, Communitas. Good to see you guys this morning on our live feed. And uh, it's always fun to watch those numbers just kind of continue to rise up as you guys are all connecting in with us. And so thank you for just joining us this morning. Um, just a couple quick things and we'll get moving on here. Um, one, just remind you that uh, we will be doing communion during this service. So if you want a quick run and grab some creative elements or whatever you might have, um, so you can participate together while we do communion, that would be awesome. And also, um, of course, we won't be passing plates for offering, but there's many opportunities to give. Um, one being online, you can go to communitaschurch.com and give there. And it's a, there's a button in the upper right-hand corner, and it's secure. And it's actually really great. You can set up even weekly or monthly payments or however you want to do that, or just do a one-time gift. Um, it's pretty straightforward and easy to use. Um, also, you can mail in checks to 824 Laurel Street, uh, Brainerd, Minnesota, 56401. And that would be great, too. Um, but we thank you for uh, giving in the ways that you guys have, and um, that has been awesome to see during this time. Um, with that, you know, normally we do a meet and greet um, at this time when we're all together, and so we were just kind of joking about it. But hey, why don't you meet and greet somebody next to you, say good morning. You might not even have said good morning yet. Um, or just say a good morning on the Facebook page and let us know that you are here and uh, ready to worship with us. With that, I'm just going to pray um, for the rest of this morning. And um, so just close your eyes and bow with me. Uh, Father, thank you for how good you are. And uh, I thank you for um, just joy and laughter and sunshine and, and the people that we get to come together as one body with, even <laughs> though we're um, maybe sitting in our own homes or different locations, even all around the world, um, that we are still one body um, serving you and worshiping you. And help us continue to stay connected and be thinking of one another and praying for one another and serving one another. And and serving over this community as well uh, during this time. So God, just be with us as we sing these songs and hear your words preached this morning. Help us with all the distractions that may be trying to grab a hold of us right now. Um, help us just be focused on you uh, this morning. In your beautiful name, amen. Well, hello. Glad you all could join us as we uh, keep with this practice of gathering together. Um, so I trust that uh, you're uh, all doing well and that I hope that you all get some sunshine today. Today actually is a day that uh, the, the church remembers this guy we call uh, Doubting Thomas. And um, I personally think that he gets a little bit of a bad rap as we've probably all been Doubting Thomas at one point or another in our lives, or maybe many times. Um, but I'm just going to read this quick story to you from John 20. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the, uh, place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And get this, the first thing he says is, Peace be with you. Then he says to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. 
Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Um, what really strikes me about this is just the patience of Christ and the gentleness of Christ in uh, Thomas's doubt. And um, I think that he still um, calls all of us to an increasing faith with gentleness. And um, whether we're somebody who that's coming easily for us right now, maybe it's coming slowly or maybe we're feeling a little bit like shifting sand, um, Christ is calling all of us. And uh, my prayer for all of us this morning is that um, we would have ears to hear his voice um, and that we would recognize his work in our hearts and draw just a little bit closer to the Lord this morning. So let's sing this morning, How Great Thou Art. Amen indeed. Thank you, Kelly. And uh, thank you, Lord, for how great you are. Good morning, Communitas Church. My name is Mike Gary. I'm the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to build disciples who love God and love people and walk in grace that we would grow in our faith. We do that by gathering in groups to explore our gifts and then generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people and fall into this rhythm of gathering together that we would grow together and then go together to find and make more disciples who would love God, love people, gather together, grow together and go together. And so how we've done that uh, in the past has been we've gathered in a, in a specific location, but now even in, in these sort of different times, we're gathering scattered, right? So we've, we've gathered and, and we gather remotely and we get to participate uh, in the same mission using different methods. And so we gather today online and we set aside some time to say that it's important to be here. It's important to take time to all stay in the same rhythm. Much like when we sing, we, we breathe the same time. And we speak the same words and we start thinking along the same lines. And when we gather together at the same time, it helps us fall into that rhythm as a people. So that's one of the ways that we've expressed our worship to the Lord today. In a little while, we're going to express it through the reading of the Word and the proclamation of the Gospel. But before we do that, we're going to get into communion. Last week, we talked about Exodus 12 and this meal where Jesus showed where uh, the, the people of, of Israel were given a new beginning. They'd spent 430 years in slavery and they're given this new beginning. And then almost 2,000 years later, Jesus would share that same meal with his disciples and show that he is the fulfillment of that. And he would flip the meal on his head and give it a new meaning. And it would remind the disciples, and has since reminded the disciples of Jesus, that they have a new beginning in Christ. And so as we reflect on this meal, let's take some time to think over this last week and the new beginnings that Jesus has offered his followers. So when we do communion, just a little bit of background on it. So one of the things that we do is we, we take a little bit of time in silence. And we're going to take some time and we're going to reflect on 
Who is God the Father? And what has he done? Who is Jesus, God the Son? And how did Jesus live his life? And how does that inform the way that I live my life? And we're going to take some time to reflect on who is God the Holy Spirit? And what is the Holy Spirit doing in and through me? And who might be some specific names and faces or maybe some specific times or places where we felt the inkling or the stirring or something deep within us that we're not really sure what it is, but it's causing us to do something we normally wouldn't do on our own. Something that carries with it some kingdom focus and brings into further clarity a kingdom reality to the world around us. And so in this time, we're hoping that the Holy Spirit will, will convict us of sin, will confirm in us the things that we're doing that are good, all that we would better convey this gospel message to the world around us. And if you're watching today and, and you're just thinking, I'm just going to kind of kick around this church thing, I'm kind of curious about, about what these Christians are doing, and, and you're not really sure or you wouldn't call yourself a Christ follower, I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, you're watching with a, a lot of other people who are also glad that you are watching. And I invite you to participate in this with us, to take the time and ask these questions of who is God the Father and what has he done? And who is God the Son? And how did Jesus live his life? And how does that inform the way that we're to live our lives? And who is God the Holy Spirit? And what is God the Holy Spirit doing in and through us that we would be convicted of our sin, confirmed in what we're doing that is good, that we would better convey the gospel to the world around us. Because we've not just been blessed for ourselves, we've been blessed to bless. We've been saved, that we would aid the Lord in saving others. So let's take some time, and then as, to, to reflect on this, and then as we're ready, we'll, we'll all gather back here again. I will read some words from Scripture, and we will all partake mm -hmm of the meal together. So I'll pray for us before we enter into that time of, of quiet, rather. You know, Kelly's going to play some music in the background, and if you would prefer the, the a more silent approach, uh, you probably have a mute button, and so you can just turn it down, and then when you see me uh, come back up, then go ahead and uh, turn the volume back up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to be one group of people, united though we're scattered. Jesus, we, we thank you for the way that you lived your life, that you showed us what it is to be human. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are continuing to work in and through us. Pray that you convict us of our sin, confirm in us what we're doing that is good, that we would continue to do so and that we would better convey this gospel message to the world around us. We pray that in this time you give us specific names and faces of people in our daily lives, in our weekly rhythms, that we see on a regular basis who need to know who you are. Thank you for speaking to us in this time.
The last time that Jesus was together with his disciples, they were sharing this meal, this Passover meal, this meal that reminded the nation of Israel that they had once been enslaved in Egypt, but were now free. And it serves to remind us today that we were once slaves to sin. We were powerless. We could not escape the effects of sin. Until Jesus came and offered us a new beginning. Until Jesus entered into our life and, and gave us life anew. And so when we celebrate this meal together, we're reminded of this. So as they're gathered together, Jesus takes the bread and as they're eating it, knowing that his body is going to break, knowing that he's going to be broken, knowing that he's going to be punished, he takes the bread and he breaks it, and he gives it to them and says, take and eat. This is my body. Knowing his blood would pour out, he took the cup and he had given it to them and given thanks. He said, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. For the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this forgiveness, for this covenant, for this meal that you bring us into. And we pray that this remembrance would not only inform our past, but it would, it would inform who we are now and would continue to inform who we are becoming, who you've made us to be. So we thank you. We pray that we go and we would live our lives in light of who you are and your sacrifice for us. Amen. Okay, at this time, Mr. Nick Hoffman is going to come up and we're going to continue reading through uh, the Torah. We spent, starting in January, we, we started in Genesis 1 and we're going to work our way all the way through the first five books of the Old Testament. Some people call it the Pentateuch. You might have heard it called the Torah. You might have called it her, for, called the first five. You may have no idea what we're talking about, and that's great. So we are in Exodus, which is the second of the five books, and we will be looking at Exodus 13 through 15. And uh, so if you have a paper Bible and you want to follow along there, um, Exodus is about that far in. Uh, it's the second book in there. If you start getting into Leviticus and Deuteronomy or Numbers, feel free to go back a few pages to the left. If you're in Genesis, just keep going and eventually you'll find Exodus. And we'll be in 13 through 15. Specifically, we're going to look at Exodus 14, verses 10 through 14. And then Exodus 15, verses... Um, my notes here... Uh, 20. 22 through 27. Oh, <laughs> Kelly's got it up there for us. Perfect. So we had Exodus 14, 10 through 14, and Exodus 15, 22 through 27. So, Nick. Exodus 14, 10 through 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? 
Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For, what, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Exodus 15, 22-27 then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to, e then they came to Elam, where, they were, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Amen. Thank you, Nick, for reading. Thank you, Lord, for your word that we're able to gather together and, and read it, study it, think about it, and pray that it continues to mold and shape us to who you are. We pray for the church around the world where what we're doing right now, even remotely, is, is illegal and is uh, punishable by all sorts of cruelty. And we pray, Lord, that we as your people would take the tools and the resources that we have and use them uh, to bring an end to that, that your message of hope would flourish, that grace would abound, and that people's affections toward you would blossom. Amen. So uh, reviews are weird. They can be very helpful, right? So you go, uh, if you go on Amazon, and you want to find out whether something's good, you can kind of look and there's a star rating and you can look and go, okay, well, two people thought this was the best thing ever and nobody else thought anything about it. Well, maybe I'll pump the brakes. But if you look at something and you go, man, 4,000 people have bought this and it, you know, it's got 4.9 out of 5 stars. Yeah, maybe this is something worth considering. And, and so it's interesting in the, the last few years kind of how public opinion really has become more and more public, right? It's, it's easier for us now than ever to share what we're thinking. Case in point, I'm talking to you while you're in your living room and I'm in the nursery at a church building downtown Brainerd, so that's neat. Um, but then, but when we think about these reviews, it's always interesting when I read those and you, you find someone who, has anyone ever given a negative review where you just thought, man, that's totally crazy? You know, maybe it's your favorite product or your favorite thing and, and somebody says, oh, this is, you know, total nonsense or complete garbage. And you just go, man, who is this person? And it, it reminded me of, of when we, I used to work in, in the restaurant industry. And one of the things they say about the restaurant is, you know, if you have one bad review, you know, people are going to share that so many more times than if they have a great experience, which was always a bummer because you could crush it nine times out of 10 and you'd have one person that had a bad experience, and all you'd hear about was that one bad experience. And it's like, what is it about? And I remember thinking, it's even for myself, when I think about the stories that I tell, 
how it's often so much easier to talk about a bad experience than it is about, about a positive experience. So much easier to grumble than it is to be generous or to give gratitude. And so it's the thing about, about us as people is we tend to hang on to the negative more than we do the positive. And I would consider myself to be fairly optimistic and a fairly po- positive person. And go, man, what is it about that within my heart that causes me to do that? Well, let's take a look. Um, we'll get back to that in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about Exodus 13. Um, and and just kind of give us a a little overarching view. So over the last few weeks, we've seen the way that, um, you know, in the beginning of Exodus, God is looking for his people to acknowledge him. He's acknowledged them, and he's looking for them to acknowledge him. And then last week, we talked about how God provides a new beginning. And then this week, I want to show that God provides as he guides. So a few weeks ago, God acknowledges us and is looking for us to acknowledge him. Last week, God provides a new beginning, but he doesn't just provide a new beginning. He never just creates and then leaves it alone to figure out, you know, for his creation to figure out what it is or what to do. He's constantly interceding, constantly there, constantly trying to, to guard and guide and move us toward redemption, try to move us toward holiness, wooing us. Uh, to in, into more understanding who he is and how we're to live our lives. And so we see that God acknowledges us and calls us and invites us to acknowledge him. And then he provides us a new beginning. And then he always provides as he guides. And, you know, because it, it, it's, it's, it's always easy to say, you know, look at something and go, man, that's, that's a mess. But it's always something different when you have somebody else that can come by and go, hey, that's a mess, and I have an answer. I have a solution. I have a way out. Will you come with me? And so it's one of, the, one of the generous things that we see about the Lord. Um, as he sees, he provides, and he continues to redeem. And so in, thir- in the beginning of chapter 13, the Lord says to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. And I just want to just Consecrate. So that's a, that's a weird word that we don't always say uh, in normal life. You probably don't just you know, hear that at the, uh, you know, the morning meeting or something at work or around your breakfast table. But consecrate. And so it has this idea of, of set apart, make holy. And it's this ongoing process, this continued thing of, of making holy, declaring separate. And so it's, we see this message throughout Scripture where the Lord says, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do a, a, a different kind of work. I'm trying to make a different sort of people. And so if, we've, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've talked about the Lord has called the nation of Israel the, the host, his children. And it's this idea or this picture of an army, but we've said it's a different kind of army serving a different kind of king, making a different kind of kingdom. And so in, verse, in, in Exodus 12 and leading up for the first 12 chapters of Exodus, there's been this firstborn, this guy named Pharaoh, and he's been using his power and his might not to bless the world around him, but to kind of stymie and overthrow and crush and oppress the world around him. And the Lord has said, that is not the way of the Lord. That is not why you've been made. You're not bearing the image of your creator. You're not bearing my image. And so he kind of flips the script again, and, and in chapter 13, says, hey, I know that Israel, you've, you've been under this, this way of thinking for the last, you know, 400-some years, where the firstborn is, is you know, it, it's, 
has this power and then that power kind of trickles down and, and you know, there's this immediate separation between the haves and the have-nots. And the Lord's saying, we're going to level the playing field here. I want everyone to start to understand that you're a different sort of people. You weren't made to be a machine climbing a pecking order ladder to get to the top, but you've been created in the image of God. That you're my child and I'm, I'm going to show you and give you new ways of thinking and new ways of remembering. And so then the rest of 13 is dedicated to the institution of the Passover, what we talked about last week, this new meal where they remember, right? Because if you've spent 400 years in slavery, you've spent 400 years being oppressed by the, the global superpower. As a society, as a group of people, you've spent so much time in crisis that your brain isn't thinking about future. It's just thinking about survival. And it's not thinking about how do you serve your neighbor. It's thinking about how do I serve myself? How do I get what's mine? And how do I survive? And so the Lord is bringing the people out into the desert to give them a, a, some space so they can start to think differently. They can start to feel differently. They can start to remember differently. And I'll begin to celebrate. Because when you're in slavery, you don't get a lot of time to celebrate. Now, they have this meal together, and it's everybody. The young, the old, the talented, the not-so-talented, the strong, the weak, everybody, all the world, any metric by which you can measure a person are all put aside as they all gather together to remember who they are and who has provided for them. And so it levels the playing field, gives them new thinking, gives them a new way to remember. And they, they continue to walk out, and then and they take this really round. If you look on a map, you know, the, the way from, from Egypt to Canaan, uh, we're kind of, you know, just we're going to follow the shore, and it's, it's pretty straightforward. But the Lord brings them out and kind of takes them on this wandering path. And if you were, if you were Pharaoh and you were watching, you'd go, man, these guys are lost. There's just a big group of people walking around, totally lost. And, and then all of a sudden, the Lord brings them up to the sea. And it'd be like walking down a, a dead-end street to a cul-de-sac. And, and Pharaoh you know, um, sends his people out after the Israelites to bring them back. They've realized, hey, the meal ticket isn't here. Anymore. We're going to go, we're going to get these people back. And, and so they, they send out all the chariots and they're the Israelite people and they've got the Egyptian army behind them, the sea of reeds in front of them. And they're going, man, we got nowhere to go. And they start to grumble as, as Nick read. And they said, and so they go, is it, is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Right, so I mean, they've, been, they've only been free for a couple days and already they're mad at the Lord and they're like, oh, we're not going to take it out on the Lord, so we're going we're gonna to gripe to Moses a little bit here. And they're going, why, like, why did you do this? Couldn't you just let us, you know, it's better to serve there than to die out here. They've been given this great liberty to speak freely and instead of giving, using that liberty for their aid and for their benefit, they just use it to complain and moan and whine. And the Lord's just, and the Lord knows like, okay, well, just 
be faithful. Right? And so Moses stretches out his hand. I love this. And Moses says to the people, he says, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work out for you today. Fear not. So trust. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. They were so, they become so focused on self that they, they couldn't see the generosity and the greatness of the Lord. They were so concerned with their everyday survival that they couldn't take that moment to just stand there. They were constantly, frantically looking around, trying to figure out how they were going to survive, how they were going to get through, and they couldn't take that moment to just stand to trust the Lord, to stand firm, and to see salvation. The Lord just says, hey, take a pause. And just watch what I'm about to do. Which I love. Then when we get into verse 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. There are plenty of times throughout Scripture where the Lord calls us to do things and to, you know, to be a certain way. And I love that verse 14 also gives it, there's sometimes when the Lord just says, stop. I need you to trust. I need you to stand. And I need you to see. And then Moses stretches out his hand. The waters part. Two million people walk across the dry land. Right now imagine this. So you're Pharaoh. You've been in a couple wars and you think, they're dead to rights. There's no way you can escape from this. They're at the bottom of, they're in this cul-de-sac. There's no way they can get out. So they start walking across the dry land. Well, the Egyptians are in chariots. They're not in boats. They can't go around. They can't get in front of them. And there's this nice spot for the, the whole Israelite community to walk through. And then few of the, the folks say, oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna chase after them. And a few of the charioteers are going, nah, I've seen how this works. I've watched enough war movies. This isn't going to end well. And so they stay back. And so those who are pursued, and those who pursue the Israelites get overcome by the water. And the Israelites make it out onto the dry land. And then the next day they look out and they see the, um, the dead bodies of, of those who had, had tried to, to come after them. And, and what's, what do we see about the Israelites? Do they fight? Do they have to do anything? No, they just have to follow the Lord and walk across the shore. And if you're an Egyptian and you're reading this, you're going, man, like, what irony. Right? The water was one of the things that they worshipped. The Nile was, was this thing that, if you remember the first plague, the water was something that was worshipped in Egypt. It was also greatly feared. And so this thing that had given the Nile Delta, if you look at a, at a map of, of Egypt even today, you can see where the Nile is. It's the green part. Everything else is brown. If it's close to water, it's green. If it's far out, it's desert. And so what had given these people so much life, and what they thought had given them so much life, ended in disaster. Now the people take that liberty, and they praise. They sing this song. And so we, we have recorded the, the song of Moses, and, uh, and then Miriam gets up, and, and she's, she leads the people in dancing and, and song. And you think, okay, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. It's going to be great. 
and it's like three days later. They're walking along and they're like, hey, uh, the, we don't like the water. Moses, the water tastes bad. And Moses is just, he's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's, you're, you're free. And so he's consulting with the Lord and the Lord's like, here, just take this tree, push it into the water. It'll make the water sweet. They'll drink out of it. It'll be better. And, it's, and then I love this invitation that the Lord gives. He says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. And so we see that the Lord is, is not out to get us. We've talked in the past, yeah, the Lord is going to thwart our desires that do not ultimately lead to him. But he's got a long-term game in plan, and in, in his long-term plan in place. He's looking out farther than we can. His, under, his understanding and his scope is wider than ours is. So he says, hey, if you'll just trust me on this, if you'll come with me, if you'll listen to what I have to say, I will be your healer. And so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, man, what would it be like to be a close friend of Moses's throughout these, these first 15 chapters? What would it be like to have, have known Moses and to watch him go through this? When we first meet Moses, right, or when, when the Lord calls him and says, hey, I need you to go to Egypt. I've got this plan. I've got this idea. We've got this rescue caper that I need you to be involved with, this heist of my host. I'm going to bring the people out of, of Egypt, and I want you to be a part of it. What's Moses' response? Kind of stumbles and stutters his way through it. Eventually, he's like, uh, no, not me. I don't talk well, and I, I don't really, I've got no interest in leading people. And yet the Lord provides and guides him through interactions with the most powerful man in the known world at the time. And Moses ends up leading two million people out of Egypt and then ends up taking, and, and then we read about these speeches and this song that he writes. So the guy who couldn't speak, who couldn't lead, who didn't want to speak, didn't want to lead, who all he'd ever known was, no, I can't do that. The Lord invites him and says, hey man, how, like, do you want to stick to what you've known or would it be okay if I help you become grown? And so the Lord provides and guides a way for Moses to become who he'd been created to be. And so what is it that we need to take away from this? What's, if you can remember one thing from this, what is that one thing? It's that we, we, we as people, we would rather do what's known than be grown. We'd rather do what's known than be grown. But the, the Lord provides as he guides the Lord provides as he guides. So altogether, um, we'd rather do what's known than be grown. But the Lord provides as he guides. We'd rather do what is known than be grown. But the Lord provides as he guides. Uh, personal example. So over the last couple of weeks, um, one of the things that kind of helps me focus and, and kind of 
stay sane, I would say, is it's helpful for me to, to move and to exercise. And if I can do that with people, that checks two of my boxes, movement and an interaction with people. And so I go to the YMCA and I work out and there's a lot of people there that I know and that I see and I get to say hi to. And it just kind of helps me focus and, and I, I just think that, like, I just enjoy it. Well, a couple weeks ago with um, everything that's been going on, I haven't been able to do that. So I've got two options. I can sit there and I go, gosh, God, like, you know, I'm an extrovert and, uh, you know, I, I like to be, I like to go to the gym and I can't do that right now. And I can sit and I can grumble or I can remember that I'm a child of God. I can remember that I'm a member of, of God's host and that I'm not called to the same kind of, of kingdom building that the rest of the world is, but I'm, I'm called to building the kingdom of God. And so I have the choice to, to stick to what I've known, stick to what a personality profile or, or my history has told me, or that various books and literature has informed me of how I should do what I'm doing, or I can say, I'm gonna go, Lord, like what's the new method? What's the new way of being? What's, what is it you're calling me to here? Yeah, for the last few years, you've used these various patterns in my life to, to bring about whatever it is that you're doing, to bring about some success, to kind of bring some growth. And I thought we were going to continue on that, but it looks like maybe we're not. And so are we willing as a people to have that conversation and go, okay, Lord, yeah, there's everything that I've known, but... You know so much more, and you're calling me to be grown. Now let's, let's, let's trust. Let's stand firm, and, and okay, Lord, I'm ready to see the ways of your salvation. I'm ready to see the way that your generosity, I'm ready to see the way that your graciousness and your goodness and your glory is going to work out in this situation, in and through, and maybe even despite myself. And so why is it important that we, we understand that we'd often rather be do what's known than be grown and that the Lord provides as he guides? Because it shows the generousness of God. It shows that he continues to be involved with his people, seeking to, you know, this, this idea of consecration. So I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to set you apart. You're going to be different. He said, I want the way of your being to match the truth of your being. I want how you go about your life to match who you are and how I've made you and who I've called you to be. Not the old way, not what you've known. But I'm calling you out into the unknown so that you can be grown. It also reminds us of our identity as children to follow the Lord. And it confronts our desire for comfort, to stick to what we know, and it prevents us from kind of plateauing. I think one of the things that you know we, we wrestle with is that as I look at at kind of where we're at societally, as as I think about the church, you know, there's this, and as you look at my life even personally, I think, man, it's it's really easy. I think when when you're in like high school and college to be thinking through, okay, what does it look like to grow? Because so much of of your life is changing and you're growing, and then you hit this point where you go, well, I'm not growing anymore. Hopefully. Um, you know, and, and, and I've got, you know, you got the house or there's some stability or there's something going on and we have this tendency to plateau and the Lord says, no, we're, we're not going to do that. 
there you've got these things that, that you're known, but I'm gonna call you to be grown. I think that's one of the most exciting things. And if you're if you're in uh, you know kids and uh, and young adults, I think this is if you're listening, this is one of the one of the things that I love about you, and I love about working with you, is that there's still so many questions within you. There's still this desire to grow within you, and I'm not sure when it, it dies, but it seems to, and sometimes as adults, we, we run this risk of, of just saying, okay, I've, I've got it for now, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hang on. I'm gonna stick to what I know, because I just need to get to the end of the day. I just need to survive. But I think whenever I get around young adults and, and, and young people, there's always all these questions <laughs> about how do I grow? How do I become more? Who, how can I become who the Lord has created me to be? And so adults, let's, let's remember that. Let's not lose that. Kids, keep going in that. And then also just as a quick aside note, one of the things I love about our church is there's so many of you, like some of the, the older folks that have, have retired, who just say, I want to keep going. How do I continue to serve? How do I continue to take this time mm -hmm. and, and, and leverage that for the kingdom? And how do I continue to grow? When you've got all rights to sit back and society would say, that, hey, just hit cruise control and just ride it out for a while. But you say, no, where's, the, where's that next gear? I want to downshift and accelerate and keep going. And so when we remember that, that, that the Lord provides as he guides counteracts this I've done enough mentality and thank goodness our heart and our mind never say oh, I've done enough right because that would be the end of us and so our soul has to yearn for more of the Lord and we see that through the generosity of, the, of God and if we don't get this if we don't understand that we have a tendency to stick to what's known rather than be grown and we don't see that the Lord provides as he guides, we'll continue to grumble. We'll continue to see more of ourself and less of the Lord. We'll continue to get more focused on, on what our Myers-Briggs or our Enneagram or our latest review or what any other various metric or way of measuring our life is. We'll get more caught up on that and that identifying who we are as opposed to the Lord identifying who we are. And when we do that, our view of God shrinks, our soul shrivels, and we continue to grumble as opposed to give gratitude. And it becomes an increasing burden to people, and we just stay in our own echo chamber. We become stagnant. We don't grow. We don't use our gifts to serve the kingdom of God. And then the various insights that we have become excuses. So don't hear me say, don't take your Enneagram, don't do Myers-Briggs, don't do any kind of personality profile, don't use any kind of metrics to, to help understand. But don't let those hamstring us, right? So often we can say, well, you know, we use those as an excuse. We say, well, I'm, I'm an extrovert, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do silence. Or I'm not going to do time away from people. Or I can say, you know, my Enneagram says this, and so I'm not going to, you know, it means I can't do these other things. 
No, it just says this is my tendency for right now. We always have to be thinking, okay, so here's where I am now, and present that to the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want to use that? You guys say, Lord, okay, that, and that's what I've known. That's, that's been the past. But I also see that, that you're calling me to be obedient now. And Lord, where are you leading me in the future? So often, like the Egyptians, that very thing that we think gives us life and helps us understand and gives meaning can be the very thing that trips us up and wipes us out. Let's remember that we're being made holy. That being a child of God is so much more, is far truer and so much more meaningful about who we are than a test, a quiz, a profile. And so what do we do as a result of that? How do we take this idea that, that we, we'd rather be known than, than, or we, we'd rather stick to what's known than be grown. How do we take the, the knowledge that the Lord provides as he guides, and what, what do we do with that? Well, it's easy to say, well, stop grumbling. But I think what we need to do is start being generous with our words. We see this, um, Exodus 15 is kind of the first, it's, you know, it's one of the first songs of scripture. It's one of the first psalms. And it's this long poem and praising the Lord about what he's done. So what does it look like to, to give praise in our lives? To the people around us. To God. To use the liberty that we have with the words. Not to just give, use that as, as license to, to blast people but to encourage people. As Ephesians would say, to build them up. To tell them the truth about who they are. Child of God, created in the image of God. Blessed to bless. Redeemed, consecrated, set apart, made holy, bought, paid for. Freed from slavery. So some questions to ask. And, and as I ask these questions, you know, at, every week we, we go through some questions for consideration. And, and that's what they are. They're for consideration. There's not a test on this. We, we gather together in our groups and, and we talk about these. And maybe some of these questions make sense and some of them maybe not. And that's okay. Just think about the ones that, that make sense or that stir within you. And as we discuss them in our groups, because it's not about just getting through every single question. So when we, take these, these, when we take the time to ask the questions and to invite the Lord to speak into our lives, we think that things are going to change. I think the Holy Spirit is going to work in and through us as long as we're diligent to remain in these rhythms and to, to seek Him and to seek time with Him and with others. So some things to consider in this is, about what do you grumble? This last week, what have you complained about? I, I mean, I, I don't even... I can't even begin to think about the number of different things that I've complained about. And so, about what are we complaining? What are we grumbling about? And then how might we speak and encourage 
and praise instead of grumbling? What would that, how would that change us as a people? How would that change us individually, but then also as a community? If we're speaking encouragingly to one another, praising the Lord. And think about when have you been stuck in your life? We see this moment where the Israelites are just blinded by fear and they're, they're stuck. And they couldn't see a way out. And what did the Lord do? How did the Lord provide for you? How did the Lord guide you through that? In difficult situations, do you often stick to what's known or do you seek a chance to, to be grown? for the Lord to mold and shape you. Are you open-handed with your circumstances before the Lord? Partway through chapter 14, the Israelites are ready to go back to slavery. But Moses commands them to fear not, to stand firm, and to see the salvation of the Lord. So there's three things there that he tells them. Do any of those three stick out to you? And how might the Lord be calling you to grow in light of those three things? This is a little bit more imaginative, but the Lord declares himself our healer. Of what has he healed you? And if you could ask him to heal any area of your life, what would it be? So when we hear God's voice, We remember, we remind, and we rejoice. So let's remember that so often we'd rather stick to what's known than be grown. And let's remind one another that the Lord provides as he guides. And let's rejoice that he has delivered us, he's consecrated us, he's redeemed us, he's set us apart, and he's making us holy. He's making us his children. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. This is the scene after the grumbling. The Lord says, if you'll follow, if you'll provide, if you'll you'll just stick with me, I'll provide, I'll, I'll heal. And they turn the corner, and there's 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. This is poetic license. Whether it's literal or not, who knows. But the point that Moses is trying to say here is the Lord provides. And this is the same God that, that we follow today. This is the same God that provides as he guides. The same Holy Spirit that was working in and through Moses there is working in and through us here in Brainerd and around the world. So as you go out today, as you live your life the rest of this week, may the God who provides be your guide. And when given the choice to do what's known or be grown, that you'll step into the unknown. Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Have a great week. Go in peace.